Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode 122 of Good Humans Podcast with the very lovely semantic sexologist, Lola Ritchie. I love this conversation and there is so, so much value in this episode. You're going to love it as well. Big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Drinker Rapper. These guys are the biggest legends, taking care of my brain and so many of your brains as well. If you want to learn what their product is all about, head over to the website, drinkerrepper.com. Spend five minutes checking out their science and understanding the impact that this stuff can have on your brain. All clinically tested, all designed by neuro neuroscientists. I love this stuff. You're going to love it too. If you use the code GOODHUMAN over on their website, you can get a massive 25% off all of their products as well. Tag us on your Instagram if you like it too, at Rapper and at Cooper Chapman. We'd love to hear all about it. Also, plenty of crazy, crazy workshops going on right now. I've just been so busy driving all around the country, flying all around the country, running my school workshops and also a lot of corporate workshops with my feel-good 60-minute keynote, also my gratitude experience keynote, which has just been so cool to inspire audiences to think a bit differently about mental health. So if you're a business or you work for a business and you're like, you know what, we should probably be doing a bit of mental health training, inspire the group to take a bit better care of their mental health, then head over to the website, thegoodhumanfactory.com, check out the workshops tab. You can request an info pack and we can send over a bit more. And yeah, hopefully I can come and speak to your either high school or your corporate group. That would be amazing. Also, if you're on the website, thegoodhumanfactory.com, use the code podcast for a big 25% off everything. Okay, today's episode, Lola. I I did an event a few months back with some friends of mine, Matt and Julian, and Lola spoke at the event and shared a little presentation on the way to become a superior lover. And I just got so much out of it. And I said to her, you got to come on the podcast. It'd be great to pick your brains, learn about your story. And yeah, learn more about how we can get more out of our sex life. And far out, this conversation is amazing. You're going to love it. The, I will foremention that there is a mention of a suicide attempt in here. So if you're struggling, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. But yeah, there's so many epi- so many things at the end of this episode that are just so, so beneficial for every part of our life it's just about connecting more with people it's about yeah building a way to be more intimate with ourselves but also with our lovers so you're gonna love this episode i loved it if you get something out of this episode do me a favor tell a friend about it it's so simple to just send a message and go hey i learned so much about sex on this episode check it out you'll love it or just tag us on your instagram story or simply just do us a tiny favor hit that like or subscribe button and hit five stars takes one second of your time and it means the world to me so I can't wait to bring you more of these conversations, but let's jump today into this one with Lola Ritchie. How you going, Lola? I am absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming over. We've been planning to do this for a little while now. We yeah. we teed it up and then you weren't feeling well, so we postponed and it's been a few months since then. And you've been right at the top of my list, like, I need to get Lola on the podcast <laughs> because um, I learned some amazing lessons from you at an event a few months back called The Activated Man with two of my great friends, Julian and Matt, who I used to live with, actually. You might have known that. I lived with them for four months back in 2020 in Byron. And yeah, I came to their event where we did a whole bunch of different things for basically just men's well-being, ways to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be. And one of the Mm -hmm. sessions that we had was with you talking about um, becoming a superior man in a sexual Mm -hmm. way, I guess you'd call it. So maybe quickly describe to the um, listeners who you are and what you do yeah so yeah thank you for the intro and my yeah my name is Lola and I am a somatic sexologist and so basically my passion is infusing the the science and the psychology of human sexuality with like the the spirituality and then the somatics of sex so really 
taking everything like up here, all of the arithmetics and, and the science of sex into the body, like infusing our awareness into the body so that we can live lives feeling more connected, more fulfilled, feeling more aliveness and pleasure within our bodies. And so I really love to take like a lot of ancient practices from Tantra and yoga and like meditation into this more modern view of sexuality with modern trauma therapies to, yeah, really bring this deeper level of integration of our sexuality so that we can just feel fucking incredible in our bodies. I love it. I think it's um, fascinating. I think it's obviously a topic that is quite taboo when it comes to society, talking about sex, being open about it. And I think that's probably what's held the world back maybe from having amazing experiences and being open to them. And that's really what I learned from you. And there's different things that it just comes back to education. If you don't know, you don't know. So it comes back to hopefully this podcast is going to give some people some tips and some different things that they can take away which is going to be really exciting. But the things I do open with, I've got two questions. First, actually, first is a question, second is a sponsor plug. But the first <laughs> one, I open with a question for everyone that's the same for everyone and I'm excited to hear your answer. So mm. the question is, what are you grateful for today? Mm. I'm grateful for all the love in my life right now. I, yeah, I just had my birthday and just received more love than I probably ever have in my life all at once and it was like Phew, this is a lot and just felt my heart crack open again and again and again so many times and I've just really felt the depth of the connection and the beauty and the magic with all of my friends and my lovers in my life and just been like really soaking that in so much gratitude for all that love I love that that's mm. so so special it's so, so nice yummy. when we have those moments in life like we ride this roller coaster of life and then there's those moments where you really like yeah, a lot of things are going well in my life. My connections mm. are good. I'm feeling love. Business is moving forward. Mm. It's just so important to stop and smell the roses those times in our life that are, yeah, good That's things it. are happening. So love that. Yes. The second thing I do to open my podcast, we've been looking at them, getting ready to open them since we started. <laughs> I'm ready to but go. <laughs> we, have, we have a couple of drinker wrappers in front of us, the brain performance drink. Um, I explained to all my guests real quickly what it is. So it's all developed by these neuroscientists. Um, Professor Andrew Skoll is the lead one who helped develop it, but it's a New Zealand neuroberry, so a black currant berry, L-theanine and pine bark extract, all natural ingredients, but they've done millions of dollars of clinical studies You, in the work you're doing. I'm sure you read a lot of clinical studies around mm. different things. So they've yeah spent over $5 million on clinical studies to prove that their product works for short-term brain performance and also long-term brain health. They're working with like Dementia Australia and different people to show that their uh, product helps with your long-term brain health as well, which is amazing and you should all be taking care of it. So we're going to okay. open one, do a little cheers and let us know what you think of it. And then we're going to jump into your story. Test this out. I need your help to open yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> open this one. You can take that. Last Thank you. Okay. It should be all right. There you go. Right. Cheers. Cheers. I'll send you home with the case if you like it. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, that's good. Mm. I like it a lot. It's so yum. Mm-hmm. It's so nice having like a drink that you're like, oh, I really want to drink it. Oh, and it's really healthy. That's like it's the fizzy the one. Which maybe you'll have a bit of your fizzy one later. I have mm. that like at night instead of soft drink now. I'm like, oh. Perfect. It's good for me and it tastes mm, good. Can I take this one home with me? Yeah, I'll give you a case to take home. But oh, amazing. We've got yep. a few out there. I'll give you a little <laughs> mixed case. But today's all about you, about your story. And mm. as I said before, I'm fascinated to hear how someone who's 24 years old gets into this line of work at such mm. a young age and can have such a amazing impact on people because people, I'm sure, think, oh, it comes with experience. But I truly think it comes with education, comes with mm. learning. And that's what I'm sure we're going to learn. You've done a lot of so. Let's rewind back to the start. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? What was life like as a kid um, in the world of Ola? Mm, yeah. And just take a moment, like what you said there about knowledge and experience, I think it definitely takes both. And, you know, I'll recognize that being young, I am naive to some experience, but I guess we'll get into this yeah. here. <laughs> so, yeah, I was born and raised on the Gold Coast and... Grew up in a, a Lutheran Christian school where, yeah, very, very conservative family as well. So, I mean, I'd say that I had a pretty, pretty nourishing childhood. I was very well loved by my mother and my grandparents. Um, but the, the stories that I were taught around sexuality and pleasure was that, you know, sex is something to be kept behind closed doors is something that shouldn't be spoken about. 
um, you know, sex is dirty. It's 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 sinful in many ways. You know, there's a lot of a lot of shame around sexuality, and so I was always very curious about it, though. Um, but yeah, so grew up Gold Coast. How deep do you want me to go here? Just what do I need to know about your childhood that kind of the values that you were put in you exactly like you're saying, mm. like you have brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what the experience was like. Let's talk up until you got to high school. Were you sporty? Were you academic? What um what was yeah, the sort of young yeah, girl that you both. were? Yeah, both. Yeah, I was actually, yeah, very academic, actually. I was, like, on top of my class kind of academic. Always been a nerd. Loved all the science, all the maths. Um, still very much am like that. And, yeah, I also love sport as well. I was particularly dancing. I was a bit of a musical theatre geek. And so I was like, you know, the musicals and, yeah, I did all like the dance of Stedfords and did a lot of soccer growing up, horse riding, gymnastics, like all the things. And that's something that I'm really grateful for, actually, is the way that my my mother in particular really put in a lot of effort to make sure that I stayed really active and took care of myself and was always like trying something new and following my passion and I think because I am a very passionate human being and a multi-passionate human being who like I would change my passion almost every month and she was supportive of that and so she allowed me to switch and change and try all these different things that I really loved and so that was really beautiful I really loved that Um, and eventually that like passion for for health and and wellness eventuated into me studying to become a PT actually Um, and then go to study health science later as well but we're gonna catch up to there tell me what high school was like for you going to Lutheran school high school I've spoken to over 100 guests now so I've heard every not every story that you can about <laughs> school, but I've heard people love school, people hated school, people mm. had a great experience, people didn't have a great experience. What was high school like for you? Yeah, I'd say I loved school until I got to high school, okay. actually. So I went from the same to the same school from preschool through to grade 12. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it was a very tight-knit community where everyone knows knew everyone and everything. knows everything exactly. And so that was beautiful and also terrible at the same time (laughs) and so in year 10 well year 9 really I like fell in love with my first boyfriend and after maybe like eight months he cheated on me and we broke up and I fell into like a deep hole of depression not gonna lie like Mm. it really wasn't so much about him but more so how he was such a reflection of all of my deepest pain and wounding around the masculine that of course I wasn't consciously aware of at that age Mm. but it was really manifesting itself inside of me through this yeah really deep depression inside of me so I went from being like top student in my grade to then starting to fail assessments because I wasn't even attempting them because I was just at home bed and sleep and couldn't get out of bed. Wow. And if I did get out of bed, um, I'd go to school. I'd be highly anxious. And so I'd spend a lot of time in the counselor's office and, yeah, either doing really well in school because I would sit down for an exam and just smash it out or just, like, totally off with the fairies, completely dissociated from my body. Um, in year 12, I, yeah, started antidepressants. And that was hard. That was really hard. That was when, like, I'd always been a very sexual being despite all of, like, the stories around me. I was quite rebellious and so I would still really love to indulge in my pleasure. And I had a boyfriend at the time and he was super loving. He was really good for me, actually. Um, But I remember when I started these antidepressants, these SSRIs, and I just felt totally numb. like emotionally numb like didn't feel super happy didn't feel super sad either I was just pretty like numbed all of life when when you I just want to go speak about like getting put on the antidepressants first because you Mm. said in year nine was when you had this first breakup into a depressive kind of stage Mm. year 12 is three years later yeah so we in and out of psychologists different things you were trying and then it got to SSRIs was the last straw uh No, actually. So, I mean, I would have been in grade 10 when we went through the breakup and then 
Um, I really tried for a long time within myself. I think I, I really internalized a lot of it though. I didn't really let other people around me know that I was suffering. On the outside, it looked like, oh, she's still okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was really good at putting on that mask, yeah. um, and spent a lot of my time really just trying to seek validation from the people around me and, you know, trying to look super sexy. That's when I got super into uh, fitness, spent a lot of the time at the gym, um, and, you know, becoming like this young little fitness model. Um, and yeah, so no, like it was really like a, a silent suffering and I was on the contraceptive pill at this, at the time as well. And I really believe that that contributed to the depression and Crazy all lack of, of like the hormones about that and stuff. Oh yeah. We might get into that when we get into it. We, we will get into it. <laughs> I will get you started. But yeah, I just want to talk about, yeah, so then you were seeing a GP and then mm. you're like, nah, I'm not feeling that good. Yeah, so that that's all it really was, was I, I really recognized this need. Uh, actually, I think it was after, let me get my timeline right. Yeah, so in year 12 was, was really hard because I I started to really... I was just like in my full slut era in year 12. I was just like, fuck everything, fuck school, skipping school. Um, and I was in such an internal state of turmoil. I attempted suicide, ended up in the hospital. Oh. And then it was after that actually that I started to try to seek help. Um, and I was really overwhelmed by... Uh, the system like the mental health system where I didn't feel seen I didn't feel heard but I think I also probably didn't want to be seen either I was like no don't look at me let me keep my problems to mm. myself let me suffer in silence <laughs> um, but ultimately yeah I was like okay I need to do something and then that's when yeah GP prescribed me SSRIs um, and I think I might have seen a psychologist a few times, but it wasn't until later in life that I actually really started going to therapy. Mm. So, yeah, I started SSRIs, was totally numb emotionally and sexually too. I couldn't have an orgasm anymore and that was devastating. Mm. <laughs> so, Did yeah. Did you about any of the side effects from what you can recall? I think, I think the biggest thing for me, like that whole year was pretty hazy for me. Mm. I actually can't remember a lot of that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The biggest thing for me was definitely like this emotional sexual numbness where I just felt like I wasn't fully here. Wow. It wasn't fully present. I was quite dissociated. And the only thing really keeping me sane was like a very basic like mindfulness practice from like the headspace app or something like that wow so you're practicing mindfulness and trying your best to stay on top but just yeah not with the mindset and the skills kind of to deal with what was going on you finished school what changes I actually dropped out of year 12. Okay. Yeah, because it, I was like, this is incredibly overwhelming. I actually went straight from, so I did like my first term of year 12 and then I went straight to uni actually. Okay. Um, and so because of the grades that I did have, they enabled me to kind of like fast track and just kind of get straight in. And so I started studying uh, health science. Okay. Um, and that was a journey in itself. Like, you know, just going from one school to another and still going through the same internal situation within myself but like I I tried and I pushed and I got through like my first couple of years and that was yeah it was a challenge for me but it was positive in the sense that it really like as I started to go through okay let me go back a few steps mm -hmm. so in amongst all of the chaos in high school, I remember I was crying in my principal's office one day because I didn't complete my assessments and whatever. And she said to me, she's like, why don't you try meditation? And she, so she introduced me to the concept of meditation. I'd never done it before. And she gave me like a couple of um, app suggestions. One of them was Headspace and another one was Smiling Mind. I think Smiling Mind was the one that I went with. And like very, very basic meditation practices like visualizing your thoughts as clouds moving through the sky and just like letting them float by just witnessing them 
And so I would, I would get up. This is when I lived really close by here, actually. I would get up and go to the beach first thing in the morning and watch the sunrise and just sit down with a five, 10 minute and very simple meditation. And that kept me sane. Mm. Um, and I really kept going with that, kept going with that, kept going with that. Cause I felt like an intuitive sense of like, that's where my healing is. Mm. Even though I didn't fully understand it yet, I definitely did not understand the concept of holistic healing or that you can heal yourself um, at all. But you and started so, to have the exposure to it. Yeah. Realizing. Yeah. So I was, I was really grateful for that, that teacher mm. for introducing me to that because wow. it was then that eventually uh, when I was about 18 or 19, I moved to the States for a little bit oh. and I, yeah, I moved over there for a boy <laughs> and while I was there, uh, that was when I like uh, launched my online PT business. Um, still super depressed within myself though. I'd come off the antidepressants by then, but was still like not okay. Mm. Full dark night of the soul while I was over in the States, really asking myself really deep existential questions like, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? Like, what is the purpose of all of this? What if I just jumped out of this window right here? Like deep thoughts like that. Mm. Um, But nonetheless, I was meditating every day. I was training every day and I was practicing yoga every day. That was when I really got into Hatha Yoga. And that was really the beginning of like my yogic tantric practice was Mm. there. And then when I came home from the States is when I really had my first spiritual awakening of sorts. I, I left the relationship that I went to the States for, which was hugely liberating for me because he was not a nice person to me. Um, but yeah, I had this hugely liberating experience within myself where I started to get really deep into my meditation because I was so curious about it. I'm like, this is doing something, but this five, 10 minutes every day isn't enough. I want more. And so I really started to go down, yeah, this path of meditation and found the law of attraction mm-hmm. and that sent me down the whole rabbit hole and then started to have like full body orgasms while I'm meditating on the floor in stillness. And I was like, I'm onto something here. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah. tell, me, tell me about this first spiritual awakening. What, what was that moment? Yeah, so I was literally, I was lying down in stillness on the floor and I was in like a creative visualization meditation practice that was using like these NLP techniques uh, to really take you into the visualization of what it is that you most want really and really feeling that as as alive and as real inside of your system. So, you know, it's quite a basic practice in terms of the law of attraction and then things like that, um, but it was very new for me. And... In this meditation, it was about like stepping into the vortex, as you know, Abraham Hicks would say. And as I stepped into this vortex on like deep and very delicious meditation within myself, I felt just these full body vibrations and tingles. And it was like, how do I even describe it? It was like this wave of pleasure that I'd never experienced in my body before. And I felt it like come up into my heart and explode in the most beautiful way it just like cracked my heart open and I started bawling my eyes out like these tears of just deep gratitude and ecstasy and from there it was like I rode that high for a long time I would be like dancing along the beach every day just crying tears of gratitude and feeling fucking alive for the first time really probably since I was a child and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to share this with the whole world, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, really, that was when the whole rabbit hole of spirituality really came to life for me. Had you advanced from Smiling Mountains meditation or was this still there? Yes, 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 yes. So I started actually finding meditations on YouTube, Yeah. yeah, different spiritual teachers and, yeah, just finding whatever really spoke to me with an underlying theme of sexuality was that was that there no, or, so that no, wasn't so that, was that wasn't quite, really there yet yeah, yeah okay yeah so but it, it came in very quickly and mm-hmm. so these full body orgasms they weren't even a sexual experience for me it was more of like an ecstatic experience of, of just energy. pure joy mm. right and it was around that same time though, it probably would have only been maybe a month or two later that I started to become aware of, like, I would see perhaps on Instagram or YouTube, uh, 
cosmic sexuality and sacred sexuality and I was like oh I'm curious about that like always been a sexually curious human being so I'm like I want to know more about that Mm -hmm. I want to know more about how I can access more of this full body orgasmic states and opening myself to God you know whatever like I being in a Lutheran Christian school growing up my concept of God is very different to what it was now and I was very oh I called myself an atheist I was like do not believe in that shit I was very pragmatic like give me the science if it's not science it's not real kind of Mm. thing and so I've really started to awaken to this realization that, oh my God, there's actually so much more than just this 3D reality mm. that we live in. Um, and that we get to experience that through the portal of our sexuality. And that just blew my fucking mind. And so, yeah, I started to eventually go down that pathway. And and that was, uh, yeah, I, I really dove into that really quite quickly. And so I was studying the health science I was studying nutritional and dietetic medicine and atropathy at uni and then when I realized like holy fuck I feel like I found like a niche. nugget of gold here mm. I'm like this is, has brought me a sense of healing within myself unlike anything else this brings a sense of aliveness inside of me this sense of connection with life mm. and with the beauty and the magic of life I'm like oh my god I feel high all the time this is great like I want to devote my life to this you know and so I did and that's when yeah I started to to study to study tantra and and sexuality and so this is like right pre-covid probably Mm-hmm. Like j- probably just before, just before, before COVID. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, when it's when I started to properly study yeah, it, like yeah. actually with an institution, yeah. And that was like on top of all your other studies, like oh, okay, maybe I can get into this as yeah a career path because yeah, yeah it's not a very saturated market from what I've seen. Maybe it is more saturated because it's not something I generally look for. But yeah, after seeing your workshop and the talk you had with us, I was like, oh, this is so valuable. And it's not even a from like a having sex point of view it's from a connection point of view how to understand each other better which is amazing so i just want to like quickly get up to where you started your business and launched and started what you do because then i'm going to talk through a bunch of stuff where we can add some value to people yay yeah so see what was that period from learning to building a business what sort of things have you studied from tantric to yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty <laughs> natural evolution for me, actually, because like I said, I was like an online PT and was really uh, like my focus was on yeah health and, and wellness primarily. And so that kind of naturally then evolved as I started to go through my own awakening. I'm like, OK, how can I infuse this sense of like movement as medicine as a way to connect with your body and your sensuality rather mm-hmm. than just like going and doing some deadlifts and squats? And so I kind of like naturally evolved into that just through my own curiosity and research and just the practices that I've been exploring with. And then I, okay, so I've always been really passionate about giving massage. I love physical touch. I love giving and receiving massage. And I was giving a massage to a girlfriend one day and I remember her saying to me like, are you a qualified massage therapist? And I'm like, no, thanks for the compliment. And she's like, you really like could get paid for this. And I'm like, actually, yeah, I could totally see myself doing that. And so I went about kind of contemplating to myself, okay, how could I create a really delicious offering specifically for women is what I felt to connect with their body, to connect with their sensuality, to feel a connection to the divine, the goddess within themselves. And so I started to kind of craft something that I'm like, I want to actually study this I want to go deeper into this rather than just working intuitively Mm. but I knew I didn't want to do something conventional I was like looking at the remedial massage therapy courses and I'm like "Mm, this isn't really speaking to me and somehow came into my field yoni massage therapy a practitioner training I came across and I was like I didn't have any idea what it was initially. And when I really got into it, I was like, this is what I've been put on this planet to do. Yes. <laughs> and for those listening who didn't pick up the word you said, you said yoni, but it's vagina massages. Yeah, yeah. So yoni is the Sanskrit word for the female sexual organs and uh-huh. anatomy. And so it's 
It's the vulva, it's the clitoris, it's the vagina, it's the cervix, it's her entire womb space. It's like this all-encompassing word that translates roughly to sacred space. Okay. And so yoni massage is like this really beautiful, holistic, sexological bodywork modality that works internally and externally with the yoni to bring about deep healing and an awakening. So for a woman who's experienced lots of pain or numbness like I have within myself, it can yeah bring so much more aliveness and pleasure and goodness back into her system and really recover yeah this sense of goodness especially if she's had a lot of trauma which you know we as women and as men can hold into our sex it's a really beautiful modality for releasing that and coming back to all the goodness so i found this modality so it started with the yoni massage yes it did and so i went and did a practitioner training it was like a, a deep six months that radically transformed my life how was that was it at times awkward was it or are you just like no nah, this is because no. i can imagine it's a i can imagine when girls come and get it for the first time it's like something that's quite yeah taboo and feels weird and is attached with sexuality of like oh like yeah i don't know i can yeah, just imagine I think... it comes with some serious preconceptions <laughs> oh definitely for sure and you know i would say a good 95 percent of women who come to me for a yoni massage walk in the door initially feeling nervous you mm. know even if i've had deep conversations with them prior and it's like it's normal mm. right because yeah. this, this is so beyond conventional massage, <laughs> what, yeah. what happens you know and so you know the, the training itself i was just all in i didn't feel any awkwardness at all i was like this is what i'm here to do and i'm excited about it and so that was really beautiful and then it was from there that i was like okay i gotta keep going deeper with this and so i studied with layla martin in her year-long 650 hour uh sex love and relationship coaching course so that's where i studied my somatic sexology majoring in tantric sexuality and female sexuality and since then i've just continued going deeper into my own studies um, particularly more around like somatic trauma therapy I'm really curious about at the moment and yeah so I've just like fully devoted to this path you know that's where we are full time now I'm um I'm gonna pause one second I never do this I was like oh what where can I get my questions they're on my phone that's recording (laughs) give me one sec I'm just gonna run downstairs and grab my iPad (laughs) I'm back so you start working I guess in this industry start trying to build the business start trying to build connections and clients exciting times Mm. helping a lot of people Mm. i was lucky enough to be at one of your sessions where you did a great education piece for a lot of us and it was called becoming a superior lover and it was a group of men and you shared some amazing information so i want to use this sort of next 30 minutes as a two-part place first one i'm going to go through the stuff that i've got written down from our session because i feel like it's good for me to relearn but it's also some amazing (laughs) stuff for people to learn um and then i have a few questions from my partner who's also very um, spiritual, very sexual, and had some questions from a women's point of view. So I think it'll give the audience a great sort of both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, if you open to do it. So yeah, yes. so I'm looking at my way of the superior lover um, thing in front of me, and the first thing we have written is, "What does a woman want? Your presence, heart, and attunement." Let's mm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. Presence is definitely the number one. Mm. So this is what a woman truly wants, because this is the thing yeah. most men think. This is what we have a what perception of what women really want from <laughs> porn and the media and Hollywood mm. and movies. Yeah, what does a woman really mm. want? Yeah, there's so much focus on performance in mm. particularly men's sexuality. There's a lot of focus on performance and, you know, looking a certain way or touching her a certain way. But fuck all of that. It really comes down to your level of presence. And I would say that, yeah, your presence is a good 90% of the equation. And you know, I would say that, yeah, this is the number one thing. Like when women talk about the most epic, delicious sex of their lives, they talk about, oh, I could really feel he was there with me, you know, mm. like not off in some fantasy or lost in his own lust or stressed about work or the kids or the dishes that haven't been done. Like I could fully fucking feel that he was there with me, fully enjoying me, like soaking mm. me all in. And yeah it can be easier said than done for sure and I don't even just mean like this this overarching presence but like a presence that comes from deep inside of your body Mm. like fully feeling all of yourself and 
this can kind of get a little bit esoteric, but I really, this is really important because it's not just about presence in your mind, but presence in your body. And what that means is actually being able to tune into and be aware of what sensations are running through your body. And, you know, maybe that's sensation of, of your lover touching your skin, or maybe it's like the warmth and the tingling, the pulsation in your genitals when you're making love, or maybe it's a, a contraction in your solar plexus or a heaviness somewhere or some tension in your back, being aware of those sensations as well as any feelings or emotions that might be floating around in your internal landscape. So it's about being so connected in with yourself, feeling everything, mm. and then being able to, this kind of goes on to the next point of attunement, yeah of being able to feel into your lover and to be able to feel everything that's going on inside of her. So noticing if she's a bit checked out of the room, noticing if she feels tight in her pussy, if she's holding up to tension inside of her, or noticing if she's feeling like a little bit held back or some like contractions or kind of like keeping you at a little distance, you know, mm. being able to really fully feel that and read her, read her body, read the way that she's moving, the way that she's sounding, the way that she's expressing herself or not. And in doing so, like that's where, I mean, A, with the presence, like you can actually fully feel everything mm. inside of yourself, which naturally brings delicious sensations and connection and all the things. Um, but yeah, a woman can fucking feel that. Mm. Like if she feels that you're somewhere else, not in the room with her, huge turn off. Mm. She won't be able to trust you. She won't be able to feel fully safe with you. And for a woman to open sexually and fully be in her pleasure, she needs to feel safe. It's my second part of the question. The next thing we've got written is slow and soft equals safety. And I think it's so important because obviously the world we live in in our days for men and young men is becoming a, a bit of a minefield out there with the Me Too movement and with different things. Men are finding it very scary to even approach women to, yeah, mm. move into the like, oh, is, is this okay or not? So, yeah, do you want to talk through this idea of safety for women, feeling safe in a sexual environment but then yeah what slow and soft means towards that too yeah so unfortunately being a woman in today's society means that you inevitably hold on to a lot of trauma around your sexuality even if you haven't experienced trauma around your sexuality in your own personal experience we hold on to so much conditioning, so much fear, like thousands of years of sexual repression and patriarchy and, and control around our sexuality and our expression. Uh, and naturally we hold on to the, the collective trauma of our sexuality, particularly this, this feminine aspect of our sexuality. And so, yeah, from all of the rape, all of the sexual abuse, like, we remember that and on this collective level of consciousness but also like deep in our bones in our cells on this somatic cellular even dna level like we hold on to that and it can be intergenerational it can be from past lives but we as women we we, we feel it in in ourselves whether mm. we've experienced trauma in our own life or not and so for a woman our sexuality naturally doesn't feel feel safe to be in your pleasure feels vulnerable as fuck and actually feels quite threatening to the system for a lot of women mm. um and so yeah this is oh i could go so many layers here okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this stuff and it makes so much sense but it just needs someone like you to explain it to us and yeah so yeah go yeah. as deep as you need to about this idea of taking it slow and soft and how yeah. they can open a girl up and actually allow someone to feel safe so you can actually feel mm. all the sensations. Yeah, so so safety is felt in, in the nervous system, right? When we are in a parasympathetic rest and digest state. And for a woman who holds on to trauma in her sexuality or if she's constantly anxious or, yeah, struggling with different stories or taboos around her sexuality, um then getting her into this parasympathetic state where she feels safe, where she feels grounded is crucial for her pleasure. 
because pleasure can only really come forth from that place of safety. Otherwise, it's just fully shut down. Mm. And so slow and and soft is something that I often recommend highly, particularly to, to men who are making love to their women, because what it does is in this slowness, it invites a deeper sense of presence, first and foremost, mm. rather than being in a rush to get somewhere or being stuck up in the mind in performance and not actually really feeling what's going on inside of yourself, which is how most people have sex nowadays. And yeah, the, the slowness enables a woman to feel like, oh, I can actually relax and feel my body here. Because quite often uh, with this world of porn, for example, there's this emphasis on like hard and fast, let's fucking get it done. Mm. you know it's it's very masculine sexuality and so with that for a lot of women like that kind of hard and fast approach a it can create more trauma because it's like it can actually be quite painful and just make her check out more but even just like too much sensation can be overstimulating for a nervous system that doesn't have the capacity to feel all of it Mm. and so slowing down is actually allowing the nervous system to be like oh we're we're safe here we can relax into this we can Mm. we can feel this and that's where that that softness comes in as well i think it's a such an important tip and it's such one that everyone listening male or female if you're a female and if it's something but obviously there's probably girls who do like it hard and fast and whatever because mm. they feel safe already oh don't get me wrong like we love all the different yeah. flavors of but the to spectrum start <laughs> to warm up to get to a point to yes. make somebody feel safe yes yeah, slow and soft the next thing i've written down is um emotional penetration first and also work from the outside in these were two things that i really got something out of them my girlfriend wrote thank you later but <laughs> let's talk about emotional penetration first and then working from the outside in i think it's a really mm. good one and works mm-hmm. into that slow and soft too. Yeah, so emotional penetration is really about connecting through the heart space first and foremost, particularly for, because for a woman, the entry point into her deepest pleasure is through her heart first. If her heart is open, her yoni will naturally blossom open with her heart. And so you can penetrate a woman emotionally first and foremost through your eyes the eye contact like actually holding the gaze of the eyes and a lot of people can get afraid of that because it's like oh fuck you see me like that's too close i struggle with eye contact it's something i'm working on a lot with my partner getting Mm -hmm. better at it but makes a huge difference it really does it really does and it it brings up all of the fears of of intimacy all of the trauma that we have around attachment trauma like childhood shit you know it brings all of that to the surface whether we're fully aware of it or not but when you can allow yourself to relax inside of yourself feel that safety inside your own nervous system and meet a woman in her eyes that's going to create this level of presence again Mm. she's going to feel like oh he sees me and any kind of armor or barrier that she has around herself will naturally melt if she feels safe in your presence if you if you hold this this level of uh masculinity within you that that teaches her that she's safe you Mm -hmm. know if you're an integrated man within yourself you're grounded within yourself and so the eyes they say you know are the window to the soul for a reason and so if she has these barriers if you can see through those barriers inside of her and see through into the just the pure love that exists inside of her you actually bring that to the forefront by focusing on it Mm. and the eyes just teach like on a human to human level they teach us oh like i'm i'm safe with this person once again so safety 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 Mm. so the eyes are really beautiful for that deeper level of of connection and intimacy um breath is also really important for emotional penetration as well when you can breathe together Um, and when a man is connected to his heart space as well and is able to be vulnerable and open and have honest real conversations about how he's feeling and rather than hiding away like being too cool or you know hiding behind this armor within himself like actually allowing himself to be seen to, Mm. to reveal his heart 
that's really beautiful too. And that's where that that level of emotional penetration mm. can come in as well. I feel that. I feel like whenever me, my partner, have, it's funny, my mum and dad listen to this podcast, but fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like whenever me, and she might not like me saying this, but I feel like any time that we sit down and have a really good heart to heart about what's going on in life, about that's usually like such a precursor to great sex straight after. Mm-hmm. That's it because there's mm. that level of, openness you see each other you feel each other and you're feeling connected to each other and so naturally the sex that comes from that Mm. is going to feel that much deeper and that much more delicious Mm. yeah let's talk about this idea of um working from the outside in and sharing with affirmations as well because Mm. i remember when we did this session the working from the outside in makes so much sense but then as well, do you want to go on touching on because you had a, a fake, um, fake pussy when you had the oh, thing yeah. and we could all finger it and try and like, <laughs> like, a little bit. That's pretty funny. Anyway, I remember you saying something about the idea that certain girls like hold trauma inside their vagina, so being like gentle and like yeah, different techniques have got yeah different, I guess outcomes sometimes. So yeah, do you want to talk about this idea of why we should work sort of from the outside in, and then mm. um, yeah, this sort of trauma that can be held for women in their vagina. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are a couple of reasons why I recommend working from the outside in. And the first, on more of a, a level of, of sexual energy, uh, a woman's sexual energy is activated from the outside in. In contrast to a man, where his sexual energy will usually start first in his genitals and then expand out to the rest of his body. That's why if you just go and grab a man's cock, he's like, oh, here, let's go. You know, he's ready for it. But whereas a woman needs that time to allow her energy to seep from the outside in. And so this is why taking your time to explore her lips and her neck and her breasts and her ass and her feet and the rest of her body first actually then enables her her sexual energy like if you could imagine a woman's sexual energy to be like a pot of boiling water you know a woman who has a lot of trauma around her sexuality that energy might be really fucking frozen when you can really take your time to allow that water to to melt by really taking your time with the rest of her body allowing her to feel safe then that water can start to come to a boil and once it's boiling, it will just boil and boil mm. and boil and boil. And she can, you know, this is where a woman's multi-orgasmic capacity can really come in. A man's sexual energy, on the other hand, is very fiery. You know, it can be very quick to ignite, but also quick to extinguish. has that refractory period. But when it's on, it's, it's fucking on. It's like, let's go, right? And so ideally, that masculine, fiery sexual energy can uh, ignite her watery energy, if mm-hmm. you will. And so there's, there's that aspect of working from the outside in and creating that level of safety and allowing her just to feel really turned on within herself mm. because women more often have a what's called responsive desire. Men, this is you know very generally speaking, yeah. but we have what's called responsive desire or a spontaneous desire. So spontaneous desire is when you just go on about your day, all of a sudden, oh, fuck, I'm feeling horny. I could go for it right now. Mm. Responsive desire is more about... I'm feeling turned on inside of myself in response to a stimulus. And so more often than not, a lot of women, particularly if they've had lots of children or you're in a long-term relationship, it's really important to nourish this responsive desire by taking your time from the outside in. Uh Second point is that, again, around safety, as you mentioned, yeah, women do hold on to a lot of trauma and pain inside their yoni and so really taking your time particularly for like focusing just on the yoni not just with the rest of her body uh, but but the cervix which is really the the deepest part of her yoni that's the end point of her vagina before you move into the uterus the cervix is really the epicenter for a lot of women's trauma but on the other hand it's also the part of her body that contains the most capacity for pleasure like mind-blowing full body fuck me open to god kind of orgasms and so the cervix takes much longer to warm up so to speak can take around 45 minutes from the time that she's starting to feel aroused to the time that she's like in a full cervical orgasmic state 
And so that's why, again, taking your time from the outside in, from the outside of her vulva and her clitoris, just slowly moving into even just to the entrance of her yoni, spending a lot of time just at the entrance before even penetrating her, really allowing her to warm up, get her juices flowing, the blood flowing, before then moving into perhaps her G-spot, before then moving down to her cervix and then her entire vagina. And so it's like women's anatomy really like takes its time to get warmed up Mm. so that's why yeah working from the outside in and taking your time really being slow coming back to that slowness Mm. i always say slow down 50 percent and then slow down an extra 50 percent more because you'd be surprised by just how much more sensation you can access how much more pleasure you can access how much more presence and connection you can access when you slow down mm. it's also obviously for guys who <clears throat> find it, it will, will come too quickly it's like such a good way to just take your time let the girl mm. sort of like warm up get to that point so then yeah you can climax together rather than i'm sure you have many many clients who are either premature ejaculation mm. or partners who just don't get to finish because their partner finishes so i think this mm-hmm. is such a great technique to yeah create that whole sexual experience and make it a lot better the last thing i've got written on this is um let go of goals and expectation. Mm. Replace with primal instinct. Yes. Let's talk about that because I feel like a lot of us do go into sex with this preconceived image of what it should be based on mm. porn, movies, everything else we see, the lack of education we have. Yeah, let's talk about this idea of what sort of things you talk to your clients about when it comes to dropping expectation and goals when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. So when you let go of the goal of orgasm in particular you're really taking the pressure off when you're so focused on the goal a couple of things happen it takes you out of the present moment because you're focused on something that's in the future and not here and it also yeah it creates this expectation this pressure on yourself or your partner to have an orgasm and that in itself will actually kill orgasm really and so it's in letting go of that goal and fully being present in the moment with whatever sensations are are happening and and letting yourself breathe into it and fully be there with what's happening within the both of you that the real pleasure the real depth of connection and intimacy and aliveness and passion and fire can really come to life and a woman can really feel this as well when it's like on one hand it's really beautiful that we have this sexual liberation movement and men are like fuck yeah we want to give our women orgasms and men genuinely really care about giving their women pleasure and it's beautiful and we love it and a woman can feel it when a man is trying to bring his woman to an orgasm not so much for her but for him to feel good about himself to feed his ego to feel like he has this reassurance of i'm a good enough man Mm. right and it's so his ability to give a woman an orgasm is really tied up in his manhood and his masculinity and a woman can feel that and so if you can let go of the orgasm the goal of orgasm for the both of you it actually allows your sexual experiences to be so much more dynamic and fluid and connected and it's like we don't have anywhere else to be or anything else to do let's just explore this pleasure and just be here together and that's not to say that like orgasms go off the table like of course orgasms are going to happen but it's less about coming from this place of oh come on let's get us to this orgasm let's get us to this finish line and so much more about oh I'm just opening and opening and opening and then the orgasm that comes from that is so much deeper and richer Mm. and much more present in the moment with each other and when it comes to letting go of expectations as well it's like just like you said we have this very pornographic Hollywood model of sexuality that teaches us that sex should look like this or it should sound like this or get in this position, do this, all the things, right? And it really puts out our sexual experiences in this very limiting one-dimensional box of Mm. sexuality and that's boring as fuck. And so when you can let go of the expectations of the shoulds, what it should look like and feel like, you actually begin to open to a sex that is so much more 
wild and primal and again dynamic and rich and fluid where it starts to get a bit freaky it starts to get a bit weird you start to make sounds that you didn't even know your body could make and it becomes so much more delicious in that sense and so when I say like let go of the goal and expectation and replace it with I think I'll decide on their primal instinct mm. so I feel particularly well I mean for men and women when we can let go of all of these stories and this conditioning that we hold on to in our prefrontal prefrontal cortex of this is what it should look like that logical thinking brain and let go of that which you know you can do through a lot of breath work um just being present in the moment really in mm. your sexuality that's when you can really begin to activate your primal instinct where the positions don't matter the techniques don't matter the tools don't matter you're following your impulses and impulsive instinctual sex is so much better than trying to yeah think about oh, am I doing this right? Does this look right? Like, am I moving my body in this certain way that looks good enough for him, you know, being up in your head? Mm. And so when you can let go of all of those constructs, come into that primal expression of your sexuality, which doesn't necessarily need to be fully fucking wild and out there. Primal can also be soft and squishy, mm. but it's, it's, it's connected to the moment. It's connected to that sense of presence and, and depth within yourself. I love that. I think it's... um yeah such an important one for us to touch on i think people can have so much in their head and think oh i've got to look like this i've got to feel like this i've got to do this and there's like there's millions of people having sex at every moment of every day there's no right or wrong way to do it there's just actually succumbing to being really present which i think is so important and i'm going to now move on to a few questions from my partner carol because mm. um, i told her you're coming on for a chat and she's like, Yay. oh, I've got some good girl-directed questions. And, and I think this one is a great one to come off the back of what we've been speaking about um, because I feel like a lot of women, I feel like almost every woman who listens to this will be like, oh, I want this sort of sex, I want that sort of sex. Mm -hmm. But it can be pretty hard to communicate about it. So Carol's asked, why in, her, um, why in Lola's opinion is it so challenging for women to communicate their needs and wants even knowing that it would only enhance their experience in connecting with partners and pleasure? And what advice do you have for girls who are experiencing that, knowing, oh, it would feel better, but I don't want to ask because it's awkward. Like, I'm sure you get that very mm -hmm. often. It's probably a very, very, very common thing. But, yeah, let's um, talk about that quickly. Yeah, this is actually a really big conversation to have because it goes so much more than just the surface of mm. expressing your needs and desires. And it actually really goes deep into the suppression of women's voices and the trauma that we as women hold around expressing our needs and desires, especially if we grew up in a childhood where even if we did express our needs and desires, they weren't met mm. or if they were met with uh, anger or neglect or yeah, like a, an unpredictable parent. I'll speak from experience in that way. It's like, if I were to speak my needs to my father when I was a child, like uh, you can bet that I'd be petrified, you mm. know? And so we can hold on to this trauma and yeah, then there's this also more general level of yeah, women expressing their needs and desires in a very patriarchal culture in itself is, can be scary and unknown and foreign. And so even if a woman like really knows what she wants and, and needs, which a lot of women are actually really connect, disconnected from that part That's of themselves. Yes. Oh. Um, even if she's like in the moment where she's like, I feel like this is the time I need to speak it and it can kind of get stuck in her throat. She'll feel a lump in her throat and it stays like frozen there. And again, it's because we hold onto this, this energy inside of our nervous system that tells us I'm not safe to speak my truth. I'm not safe to speak my desires. If I speak this, I might lose a person I love. They might react in a way that makes me feel even more petrified within myself. And so my recommendation there would be to learn how to express your needs and desires in, in a safe context where you can actually uh, set up a safe space by being like, hey, I have some, some needs and desires that I really want to express with you and it feels really fucking vulnerable and it kind of makes me want to throw up. Uh, and I don't even know if this is going to come out right, but are you willing to just like hold the space for me to at least try my best and then give it a shot and let it be messy and real and raw and honest. Mm. And 
yeah, it, it comes through practice, you yeah. know, and, and learning to, to open up your throat. And this even comes to like, you know, women expressing themselves in the bedroom as well and using their voice and being able to moan and groan and make all the weird and wonderful noises as well. It's, mm. it's all interconnected and even interconnected with a woman's yoni as well. Like we have these neurological and even biological connections between our throat and our yoni. So when wow. a woman learns to open her throat, speak her needs and desires, then her pleasure inevitably increases along with it. It's quite incredible. I love that. I think there's going to be a lot of girls who will connect with that, but also I feel like there's going to be a lot who won't connect with it because of what we alluded to in the middle of that. And that's the second question that um, I've gotten written here is what's the best way to connect with our bodies and identify how we want to be touched in each moment and communicate to guide our partners establishing true connection? Self-pleasure. Yeah, connecting with your within yourself first and foremost. And this can be something as simple as it doesn't even need to be like a sexual pleasure. It can be as simple as connecting in with the pleasure of eating a delicious fruit, for example. I'm not sure if you were there for one of the days where I did essential fruit eating with the men. No, but that's I'm something there, I would but... often do. <laughs> <laughs> and so something, yeah, as simple as bringing presence to a piece of fruit that you're eating and seeing just how much sensual pleasure and delight you can derive from that. That can be a really simple pleasure practice. But going deeper into that is exploring uh, with with your hands, exploring your anatomy using different tools um, like pleasure ones. I, I recommend glass and crystal pleasure ones personally, but also vibrators if, if um, that it's makes you feel one. more... I said literally like a, you can imagine a wand, like a magical wand. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Uh, But you can imagine like a a glass, like dildo, really. Um, Generally, they're not like shaped like a cock. They're shaped more, I wouldn't say more beautifully because cocks are beautiful. But um, yeah, different shapes. And so you can actually use them as as tools to access different spots within yourself. Uh And so particularly from more hard to reach places like the cervix, it can be really beautiful for a woman to explore with her own anatomy. And so you can't, you can't know what you want, of course, unless you've ex- like explored it within yourself first and foremost. So begin with a self-pleasure practice and, you know, you can find guided audio practices. I have a, a self-pleasure course, actually, if I may rep that yeah, right absolutely. now. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah. So I have a course called gonna, Nectar. Yeah. I think there's going to be girls listening going like yeah. feeling a bit of shame around self-pleasure, feeling a bit of yeah it's something that i'm sure i'm sure the work you do you see it all the time just people Mm. feeling shame guilt even though there's no one in the room with them embarrassed like all these feelings that come with it so yeah how can someone overcome that obviously join your course and i'm sure Mm. there's some amazing skills throughout that but yeah if someone's like oh i'm like i don't know like i feel like people must be so confused in this space so much because it's so taboo to talk about yeah, this is really about like, okay, how can you bring more celebration into your sexuality? Celebration is really like the opposite of shame, right? Mm. And so when you can allow yourself to step outside your comfort zone and explore something that feels perhaps a bit edgy, perhaps a bit scary, perhaps a bit vulnerable, but allow yourself to go there, explore those edges. And in something like my self-pleasure course, Nectar, I'll actually teach you with guided audio practices and teachings how to explore your anatomy and how to go into your body, how to connect in with your sensations, even if you're numb, even if you feel super disconnected, super stuck in your head all the time, orgasm feels impossible. You can learn how to connect back in, particularly using tantric tools of breath, using sound, using movement to come back into this holistic embodiment within yourself inside of your pleasure. And so self-pleasure, self-pleasure, self-pleasure. If you don't know what you like during sex or even yeah how to express that it starts with figuring that out within your own body first and foremost and because we do hold on to so much shame around our sexuality oh i'm wrong if i masturbate if you were like caught masturbating while you were young then like of course you're gonna hold on to this the shameless taboo and so putting yourself in spaces where sexuality is celebrated, where it's accepted, where you get to explore it in a safe space. That's definitely been one of the most healing things for me is putting myself in spaces inside of courses, inside of workshops where 
it might feel fucking edgy for me, like going to a self-pleasure circle, for example. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm in a room full of women all pleasuring themselves. What is this? But it's actually really liberating and it actually offers you the space to let go of all of that conditioning and all of that shame and all the stories we hold around our sexuality. And so kind of courses that I offer, I love to offer that space to women where they get to be in a community and a group of other women. who were also exploring their sexuality and realize, oh, it's actually safe for me to be in my pleasure. It's safe for me to explore and discover what I like and then go about communicating and advocating my needs to a partner. I think it's, um, yeah, so important. So many people must just be like, you know what, sex isn't for me anymore. I've lost my partner. I've done this. Like I can't get laid. But having that as a base, obviously, the self-pleasure and then obviously once you do find a partner once you do find someone <coughs> who you can um yeah share that with actually being able to communicate what you want mm. is like so important I think there must just be so many people listening and so many people just out there who are just really struggle with this and at times mm. I have at times I know a lot of people around me have as well because of this yeah this shame and this sort of like taboo topic that sex is but I'm sure after today's conversation Hopefully everyone feels a little bit more open. Hopefully everyone yeah, feels like they've courage. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. It takes courage to even click on a podcast with, <laughs> you know what I mean, with a, with a sexologist. Like, I think it's um it's important. It's obviously one of the mo- most beautiful things we do in life, like mm. procreation and um, connection with others in that deep way is something that we should all be able mm. to, you know, I mean, explore and we should all be exploring frequently and to celebrate life in that way as well because it, yeah, it is one of the most beautiful things we can do in life. I'd like to think hey you can say that again <laughs> absolutely but i'm i'm very grateful for this chat i've learned a lot again from you i feel like it's um yeah really special to be able to give people this sort of a conversation and hopefully open some minds to different courses like yours which i will leave in the show notes to different yeah things to make women feel safer different ways for women to understand themselves better and how they can actually understand what they want i think this is one of my mm. greatest podcasts for information so i thank you so much for that for your wealth of knowledge, your um, obviously passion for this topic and yeah, just being able to share it with me and my audience, it's, it's really special. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure and delight. I really appreciate you inviting me here and being willing to have these kinds of conversations and bring these conversations to the world because they are really needed. Yeah, absolutely. And not just for a female sexuality, but for, for men as well. And so that's why I'm, I'm actually really excited to be branching deeper into men's sexuality at the moment. Mm. And yeah, teaching men how they can connect to their body in a deeper level. Because obviously it's not just how can you best pleasure a woman, which is one part of the equation, but how can you actually connect in with yourself, which is where it all really begins. And I think this kind of fights back against the whole Me Too and the whole like movement we have of like men overusing their power with women. I think Mm -hmm. by having a better education and understanding of what women truly want rather than come in hard and fast and do something that a girl doesn't feel safe and comfortable doing and then it turns into this whole new trauma. It's mm. like, no, with the education like today's episode, hopefully people might take a little bit longer, might create some space so that they can, yeah, have a better experience and yeah, make the world a happier and healthier place, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I do finish all my podcasts with the exact same question. I'm very excited to hear what you have to answer this. So what does being a good human mean to Lola Ritchie? Ah, take your time. Mm. Oh, I love this question. Changes for everyone every day. Ah, being a good human to me is about leading from your heart. It's about being willing, being willing to open and be vulnerable and show up in life from a place of of love. Ultimately, I think it's really that simple. I think that's beautiful. I've had 120 answers to that question and that's one of my favourites. I think it's very succinctly put and that's something that we can all take into life, leading Mm. from the heart, leading with love, which is so beautiful. So thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Mm. I'll leave in the show notes your Instagram, your website for your course and, yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch, make sure you send Lola a message. She's amazing. She's here on the Gold Coast and, yeah, I'm sure if you send her a DM, she'll answer any questions and love to work with you if you want to. Yeah, explore that part of your world. So thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 